trust the movement I negate the chaos Uplift the negative I'll show up at the table Again and again Welcome to Grassroot Ohio Conversations with everyday people Working on important issues Here in Columbus and all around Ohio I'm Carolyn Harding And today I'm talking with David DeWitt Editor-in-Chief of the Ohio Capital Journal About Ohio Issue 1 the single issue on the August 8 special election ballot. Ohio Capital Journal editor-in-chief and columnist David DeWitt has been covering government, politics, and policy in Ohio since 2007, including education, healthcare, crime, and courts, poverty, state and local government, business, labor, energy, environment, and social issues. He has worked for the National Journal, the New York Observer, the Athens News, and Plunderbun.com. He holds a bachelor's degree from Ohio University's E.W. Scripps School of Journalism and is a board member of the E.W. Scripps Society of Alumni and Friends. The Ohio Capital Journal covers the Ohio State House issues, politicians, wins, losses, and votes since I started reading your daily newsletter. And in my opinion, your articles, editorials, and opinion pieces have been pointedly on the side of the people of Ohio. As a professional journalist and news organization, you must have credible sources and facts to back up your assertions, statements, and opinions in your articles. And your July 7 commentary entitled, The Historical Malfeasance of Equating the Ohio Constitution with the U.S. Constitution to Attack It, Issue 1 Assault on a Majority Rule is a Grotesque Overthrow of Ideals Behind America's Constitutional Republic. Your June 29 commentary, Ohio government is already captured by radical special interests. State issue one would make it worse. And your June 8 commentary, change to 88 counties under state issue one would effectively kill Ohio grassroots amendment proposals. These headlines lead one to surmise you might have strong opinions in opposition to issue one. So let's look at some of these issues and break down for our listeners and viewers. Ohio issue one on the statewide ballot now through August 8, 2023. Issue one is about Ohio constitutional amendments. Currently, what are the requirements for a citizen-led and or legislator-led initiative to qualify for and to pass an Ohio constitutional amendment? Thank you so much for having me on, Carolyn. Yes. So the current requirements to, for citizens to get on uh, an initiative amendment on the ballot, uh, and these have been in place since the Ohio Constitutional Convention of 1912, so 111 years. To get on the ballot, signature gatherers must collect uh, signatures from 44 of Ohio's 88 counties. They have to collect 5% of signatures from the uh, the a number equal to 5% of the ballots cast in the last governor election from 44 of 88 counties. And if they collect that number of valid signatures, then the issue qualifies for the ballot. And that's, for instance, just recently, the um, abortion rights amendment proposed for November is going through the review process for those valid signatures. And we should know by the end of this week whether or not it's qualified for the November ballot. This is a system that's been in place, like I said, since 1912. 
And uh, it actually, Ohio citizens have used it incredibly responsibly. They've, they've only passed 19 of 71 proposed citizen ballot initiatives. So that's about a 26% passage rate. And right now, and so far throughout Ohio's history, this has been this has been the tool that Ohioans have had to respond to a legislature whenever it's become unrepresentative or misrepresentative or refuses to do what the people actually want, or in some cases, uh, check on them when they're doing things that the people don't want and the people come and assert their authority. And that's how it was originally conceived in 1912. And in the progressive era in 1912, you had state governments that were captured by uh, big business industrial interests. They weren't looking out for families. They weren't looking out for workers. And so you had this big movement toward giving citizens the initiative and referendum power in our constitutions. You saw it in South Dakota and Oregon, and then you had this big convention in 1912 in Ohio where Teddy Roosevelt led the charge. And it was an enormous speech at the time that he delivered to the Ohio Constitutional Convention talking about the power of the people and the right of the people to assert ultimate authority over their constitution and over their government, because it's our self-government. It's our politicians are meant to serve us, not be the masters of us. And so Roosevelt pushed hard for this. You also had perennial presidential candidate William Jennings Bryan came and gave a speech as well, advocating for the power of the people and the power of citizen ballot initiative and referendum. And the voters passed this in 1912 with 57% of the vote. Which is notable because it was that's an overwhelming percentage of support. But if state issue one seeks to move that bar, move the goalposts to 60% of the vote. And that basically would give 40% of people veto authority over anything that a majority of people want. And so this power that we won for ourselves, that Ohioans fought for and fought hard for over a hundred years ago. This power, we wouldn't even have it if the 60% threshold were in place. So, and, and that's in addition to a lot of other, uh, a lot of other amendments, bond issues, uh, property tax issues, education issues. There's a, there's a wide variety of subjects where we would not have made the constitution if we had this 60% threshold in place. And- David. Yes. I have a question. Is Ohio one of 50 states that have passed rights for initiative and referendum? Do all states have this right or is Ohio one of a few? Ohio. uh, So, no, not every state has the power of citizen initiative and ballot. But Ohio was one of the this is an expansion of people power. And one in one way, you can look at a lot of American history as expansion is working toward the expansion of powers of the people. And so Ohio is when we obtained this, and I mentioned Oregon and South Dakota were other one big ones at the time. When we obtained this, this made Ohio at the forefront of giving power to the people. It made us, and I'm talking about democracy as in democracy is power of the people and the 
power of their voice in the ballot box and the vote. It was an expansion of democracy to give people power over their lawmakers and make sure that they had that check on what could be sometimes a corrupt and un or misrepresentative government. So no, not every state has this power, but Ohio is one of the ones who are, are a leader, we're a leader in having this power and this check and this authority for the people. And so issue one would then degrade the ability of Ohioans to um, create law through initiative and, and um, referendum. It would make it more difficult, correct? Correct. It would make the amendment process more difficult. Now, Ohioans can also bring statutes to, to like such as the recreational adult use marijuana proposal in November that's also being validated right now. That's a statute of law. So that changes Ohio revised code. And Ohioans have the ability to do that as well. But what we don't have in Ohio is any protection from lawmakers. So Ohioans could spend all kinds of money knocking on doors, gathering petitions, advocating for issues, getting a law passed. But then the next day, the lawmakers, the legislature and the state house could just overturn it. They could say, nope, we don't want that. Uh, that law is nixed. And so that is why you see oftentimes citizen groups going toward amendments, especially when it speaks to things like human rights or civil rights or fundamental aspects of democracy, such as the anti-gerrymandering reform we saw in 2015 and 2018. These are fundamental concepts. And these groups that put all this time and effort into getting these things passed don't want a gerrymandered statehouse to simply overturn the law right away. And so they go for amendments because they're foundational issues about democracy and human rights and civil rights. And so we do have the power of initiated statute under law as well, but because of the gerrymandering in the state house, because there's no protection for citizen initiated statutes, oftentimes people will go for amendments, which the legislature cannot just simply overturn at the drop of a dime. So this special election in August is very controversial because the folks that initiated it had just banned it or deemed it illegal. Can you talk about why we're having this August election for this one issue? So they kind of gave the game away when they uh, eliminated the August election. The sponsor of State Issue 1 in the Ohio House even said, we don't want uh, citizens putting amendment issues on the ballot in sleepy May primaries where nobody's going to turn out. And then they went and they eliminated August elections, but then they realized that, oh, if we want to head off this abortion rights amendment in November, if we want to put the if we want to move the goalposts and try to rig everything to our favor, we're going to have to put this on a sleepy August election that we just eliminated so that those rules are in place. And so originally they tried to say this was not about the abortion rights amendment. Uh, but then Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose was at an appearance at a, a GOP county dinner, and he said explicitly this is 100 percent for them about stopping the abortion rights amendment in November by moving the goalposts. But it's important to note that this isn't really about this isn't about the abortion rights amendment per se issue one on august 8th is not a vote about abortion rights it is a vote about the people's right to have their say and majority rule over abortion rights over any issue over every issue 
This is about the power of the people themselves. This is about one person, one vote. Should 50, should a majority have the rule that we've had for 111 years, or should 41% minority get to veto anything that a majority wants? That's what issue one's about. But so they eliminated August elections, then they had to bring them back because they wanted to stop the November vote. And they had to, if they were going to pass issue one, they had to do it before November. So, yeah. All right. So let's look at the actual ballot language that all Ohioans will be voting on or have voted already in early elections. I'm going to read it to you. It's from the um, Franklin County Board of Elections in their website. Issue one, proposed constitutional amendment elevating the standards to qualify for an initiated constitutional amendment and to pass a constitutional amendment proposed by joint resolution of the General Assembly to amend sections 1B, 1E, and 1G of Article 2 and sections 1 and 3 of Article 16 of the Constitution of the State of Ohio. A majority yes vote is necessary for the amendment to pass. Okay, here we go. The proposed amendment would require that any proposed amendment to the Constitution of the State of Ohio receive the approval of at least 60% of eligible voters voting on the proposed amendment. Require that any initiative petition filed on or after January 1, 2024, with the Secretary of State proposing to amend the Constitution of the State of Ohio to be signed by at least 5% of the electors of each county based on the total vote in the county for governor in the last preceding election. Specify that additional signatures may not be added to an initiative petition proposing to amend the Constitution of the State of Ohio that is filed with the Secretary of State on or after January 1, 2024, proposing to amend the Constitution of the State of Ohio. If passed, the amendment will be effective immediately. Shall the amendment be approved? Yes or no. That's it. It's short. Let's talk about the language. It says elevate the standards to qualify and pass a constitutional amendment. Is that um, misleading? It is misleading. And you have to remember that language was written by Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose. Now, this is one of the weirdest things about all of this. The Ohio Secretary of State Frank LaRose is the leading advocate for this attack on Ohio voter power. He was initially introduced it in December with Brian Stewart. He initially advocated eliminating the August election, and then he advocated bringing them back so he could make this attack on Ohio voters. On November 16th, a poll came out showing that a majority of Ohioans support abortion rights in the Constitution. On November 17th, they launched this attack on the Ohio Constitution and majority voter control over it. Frank LaRose wrote that language, which he's been strongly criticized, and he's been campaigning for the issue with Ohio right to life lobbyist Mike Gonadakis. All of this is severely abnormal. It's abnormal for it very rarely happens that a secretary of state takes such a lead role in advocating for any amendment, much less an amendment attacking voter power. It's incredibly rare that a secretary of state campaigns with an anti-abortion lobbyist to do so. Frank LaRose has 
so yes, elevating is clearly loaded language to try to get people to support issue one, because the Secretary of State who sits on the Ohio ballot board is, in my opinion, abusing his position to try to rig the game, load the language, and selectively enforce the law. For instance, when it comes to that, Secretary of State LaRose also advocated one of the most restrictive voter laws in the country that lawmakers put in place this year. So this is why we have photo, photo voter ID. This is why absentee ballot dates have been rolled back and limited this year. There's been a whole bunch of changes. One of the changes was that one specific form be used for absentee ballot requests. In June, uh, Cleveland Jewish News published uh, an old form for absentee ballot requests. 30 people who used that form, Secretary LaRose rejected their forms. Last week, when the people who support issue one sent out the same old ballot request form, LaRose issued guidance within hours saying that, oh no, these are fine to use. So you have Secretary LaRose abusing his position of office, manipulating language for the ballot, irresponsibly and unethically advocating with abortion, uh, anti-abortion lobbyists on the campaign trail, selectively enforcing the law when it comes to this issue. And it's all incredibly abnormal and inappropriate for him to be using his position in this way. And now he's announced that he wants to run for U.S. Senate. And of course, he's got the backing of Ohio Right to Life. So it would appear to me that Secretary of LaRose is playing games with Ohio voter power, with their access to the ballot, with our election laws. And he's doing it all for personal ambition because he wants a promotion to the U.S. Senate. And he's being incredibly irresponsible and unethical in the way that he's going about this. So, yes, elevating to circle back. Elevating is is misleading language. And yes. intentionally did that because he's using his office to to load the game for his own political ambitions and to attack Ohio voters and voter power. This is Carolyn Harding with Grassroot Ohio, and today I'm talking with David DeWitt. He is editor-in-chief of the Ohio Capital Journal, and we're talking about issue one, on the ballot right now in Ohio, regarding constitutional amendment reform. Let's return to the 60% threshold that is would, would be required if this ballot initiative or if, if issue one passes. Would this 60% threshold be valid for both citizen-led ballot initiatives and legislator-led ballot initiatives? Yes, but not, not the statutory, not the law changes. So it's law changes to a higher revised code and law would still be 50%, but a all constitutional amendments would be 60%. That's good. All right. And 5% of the electors of each county, does that mean 5% per county or 5% total of who voted? Well, both across the state, it would be that 5% uh, would be needed. But yes, you would need 5% of the uh, total number of ballots cast in each county in the last governor's race. So effectively, what that change would do, moving it from 44 to 88 counties, means that 87 counties could be on board for uh, to put an amendment proposal to voters, and one county 
could veto the entire thing. So it would, and and also the other thing to remember about that, already with 44 counties, it is incredibly difficult for organizations, especially grassroots citizen-led organizations, to get an amendment proposal on the ballot. And it should be difficult, but it's not unduly difficult. It's just difficult. It's a slog. People have to stand in a Perry County grocery store parking lot for hours and hours, days after days, week after week, trying to gather these signatures. It's a slog. Changing it to 88 counties basically guarantees that only the most well-financed, big special interests with all the money and resources you could imagine would be able to overcome that hump. Grassroots citizen groups that are, are really Ohioans doing their best to try to enact government action, they would be left out in the cold. A lot of the times you see issue one supporters saying that this is to protect our constitution from special interests. Well, that is the exact opposite. And they're intentionally using that language because they know better. This would guarantee that only the most wealthy special interests would have access to this type of solution. It would kick citizen grassroots groups in Ohio to the curb. This is issue one with that 88 county requirement would enshrine the ability of dark money special interests to attack our constitution. Let's talk about those meddling outside influences that the um, proponents of issue one are worried about, why they're doing this. And um, who is funding issue one? There's an Illinois billionaire. Can you talk about him? Yeah. So uh, there's an Illinois billionaire named Richard Ulane who has tried to do this in in other states. So first of all, he's an extreme fanatical billionaire who funded both January 6th and then 20 and election deniers around the country in 2022. He's also attacked the constitutions of South Dakota and Arkansas and Missouri. All of those efforts failed. Now he's attacking Ohio's constitution. The other funders on the on the yes side are obviously Ohio Right to Life and their Protect Women Ohio or Protect Ohio Women Group or whatever it's called. They're pouring lots of money into ads now, and you're starting to see those ads go up about $3 million. And then there's a Protect Our Constitution group. Unfortunately, that's a dark money group. So we don't really know who's funding all of that portion of it. Uh, because they're hiding, they're hiding behind dark money. And meanwhile, on the other side, you have about 240 bipartisan groups, everything from good government and voter advocates like Common Cause and League of Women Voters to uh, the Ohio FOP, the police union. You have four former bipartisan gover- governors opposing issue one. You have five bipartisan former attorneys general opposing issue one. You have constitutional scholars opposing issue one. You have you have the one of the biggest groups of alliances I've ever seen uh, since really Senate Bill 5 in 2011, all speaking up and standing up and saying, no, this is this is a power grab from corrupt lawmakers who don't want to have any voter accountability. And then on the other side, on the yes side, you have the gun lobby, you have the anti-abortion lobby, Chamber of Commerce. And yeah, you have the Chamber of Commerce, the big business lobby. 
So, and this, and it's notable that on, on issues such as background checks and, and abortion rights and uh, red flag laws and the minimum wage, a majority of Ohioans support these things. So you can look up the polls. They always show over 50% of Ohioans support these, you know, abortion rights and common sense gun laws and increasing the minimum wage. And so these groups that are trying to attack majority rule are very clearly doing so because they just don't want what a majority likes, you know? Uh, so they're trying to rig the game against a majority so that they can continue to have total control and nobody can do anything about it. It's interesting because a lot of the majorities weren't quite to 60 percent, correct? Correct. I mean, I mean, if you look at even last year in 2022, uh, various states passed abortion rights proposals, but they did so with 56, 57 percent, 58 percent. So no wonder they're trying to raise the threshold to 60 percent because they want to rig the game against a majority of voters. And this is a desperate attempt to inflict minority rule on all of Ohioans because they just don't like what a majority of Ohioans want. Well, we're already inflicted by supermajority gerrymandering. And I know you've covered that extensively. And that, and that is really important context because we already have a corrupt, out-of-control legislature. They ignored a bipartisan Ohio Supreme Court seven times on the issue of gerrymandering. They uh, And so Ohioans were forced to cast ballots under unconstitutionally gerrymandered districts last year in 2022. Mm-hmm. So you already have this gerrymandered, unaccountable statehouse. And because of that, they can pretty much do anything they want. The only power that Ohioans have to try to stop them and hold this out of control legislature accountable is the constitutional amendment process, which they are now trying to rig to their advantage as well. So voters passed amendments for anti-gerrymandering reform in 2015 and 2018, but those the Supreme Court, the voters, the rule of law and the Ohio Constitution was ignored by lawmakers so that they could gerrymander again, which they did. And so now if voters really want to fix gerrymandering, they're going to have to go back to the amendment process and kick the politicians out of it. Clearly, the politicians can't be trusted. Clearly, the politicians took advantage of every loophole that they did to continue to rig the state with gerrymandering. So the citizens... If, if they want to hold them accountable and really get rid of gerrymandering, they're going to have to go back to the ballot and kick the politicians out and have an independent commission. But the politicians now, these lawmakers, are trying to rig the game again against citizens and our ability to do that. At every step of the way, they are obsessed with their own power and they're they're putting their boot down on the throat of Ohio voters. That's what issue one is. That's what gerrymandering is. That's what the extremist laws that are out of step with majority of opinion are. They just want control and they don't care what damage they do to Ohio democracy or Ohio voters or the Ohio Constitution in order to have that control, which to me is the biggest evidence that these people need to be held accountable because they will not do it themselves. So are you on social media? Is your journal on social media? Please give folks your website. Yeah, absolutely. You can find our work at ohiocapitaljournal.com. And we are on Twitter at ohiocapjournal. And I'm on Twitter at 
DC underscore DeWitt, D-E-W-I-T-T. Yeah. And David DeWitt. And uh, yeah, you can find us all there. You can sign up on our website for our daily uh, newsletter. It comes out every morning, Monday through Friday at 6 a.m. plus a Sunday in case you missed it newsletter. And yeah, I think that covers all of our... We're also on Facebook if you want to find us there. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, absolutely, Carolyn. Thank you so much for having me. Tune in to Grassroots Ohio on Fridays at 5 p.m. at WGRN 91.9 FM and streaming at www.wgrn.org and on Sundays at 2 p.m. at WCRS FM 92.7, 98.3, streaming on wcrsfm.org. You can find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for joining us. There's a time to listen and learn, a time to organize and strategize, and a time to stand up, fight back.